church, please stand. Lord, we're just so grateful to be in your presence today. We thank you that even our, in our weakness, you are strong. All the things that we are dealing with every day, that you are strong enough to carry those, and we don't have to, Lord. So we bring all those things to you today, and we thank you for the God that you are. And we praise your name.
and blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Jesus said the first commandment is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And as we prepare to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love, let us acknowledge our sins and ask the Lord for pardon and strength. Please kneel. Most merciful God, I confess that I have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what I've done and by what I have left undone. I have not loved you with my whole heart. I have not loved my neighbors as myself. I am truly sorry, and I humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on me and forgive me, that I may delight in your will and walk in your ways, to the glory of your name. Amen. Almighty God, have mercy on you, forgive you all your sins through our Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen you in all goodness, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, keep you in eternal life. Amen. Have mercy.
Hey!
The Lord be with you. Let us pray together the collect. Grant to us, Lord, we pray, the spirit to think and do always those things that are right, that we who cannot exist without you may by you be enabled to live according to your will. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. You may be seated. Not the children, they have to come up here. <laughs> Amen. Let the army assemble. You look lovely today. <laughs> Handsome young men. Heavenly Father, raise out your hands and pray with me. Heavenly Father, we ask you to always watch over these young hearts and minds, especially now as they go out to hear your word, to be filled with your word, Lord God. Give them courage, knowledge, wisdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 This morning's first reading comes from the book of Jonah, chapter 2, verse 1, commencing. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly, and he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction, and he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me, even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord, my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord, and my prayer went up to you into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy, but I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. The word of the Lord. This morning's psalm is Psalm 29. Give unto the Lord, O you mighty ones. Give unto the Lord glory and strength. Give unto the Lord the glory due to his name. Worship the Lord in the beauty of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The, glory, the God of glory thunders. The Lord is over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord splinters the cedars of Lebanon. He makes them also skip like a calf. Lebanon and Syria, like a young wild ox. 
The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest spare. The Lord sat enthroned at the flood. The Lord sits as king forever. The Lord will give strength to his people. The Lord will bless his people with peace. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning. Our second reading this morning is from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verse 6, commencing. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend into heaven, that is, to bring Christ down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your mouth, and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whoever believes on him, will not be put to shame. This is the word of the Lord. as we hear his holy gospel, the holy gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Matthew. Glory to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We are reading from Matthew's gospel, chapter 14, beginning at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea and tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. 
Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So Jesus said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they had gotten the boat, the wind ceased. Then those who were in the boat came and worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to thee, Lord Christ. change our hearts and minds to be more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. So on Friday night, my family and I went over to Papa and Nama's house. And my kids love going to Papa and Nama's house, let me tell you. And there's a couple of things that I was thinking about in light of going over there. Well, first of all is the excitement and the joy that my kids have going to Papa and Nama's house just reminds me of the good heavenly father who loves us so much. Because what's going on in their mind is they're expecting joy when they go to Papa and Nama's house. 
And yet we go throughout our days and our weeks and we get beat up by the wind and waves, the storms of our life. And we somehow stop expecting joy when we come into the house of the Lord. If Papa and Mama can give joy, how much more can our Heavenly Father give us joy when we come to His house? And something in me just resonated that we need to remember the reality that we are in the house of the Lord. The Lord God who loves you more than anyone you've ever met, more than anyone you've ever known, He adores you. Some of you are thinking, well, duh, you're wrong. <laughs> the duh is wrong. Part of the joy comes from realizing how we are so inadequate and yet he loves us so much. And some of us are thinking, how could he? And I'm here to tell you today, he does. He does. You are so worthy of the love of the Father. Not because you're so great, because he is so great. And so when we talk about these things, these uh, examples, uh, I just want you to remember the love of God grounds all of it. And you need to know that you're loved in order to walk in the message that Christ preaches. It doesn't work for him to invite you to the cross if you don't know that he loves you, that he took the cross for you, that he wants you to join him, not just in his suffering, but also in his resurrection. Amen? And so... Another thing that happened at Papa and Nama's house is we pulled out some boxes that we had found that used to belong to Archbishop Adler, my grandfather, and the founding bishop of this church. And we were flipping through a journal. It's kind of like a prayer devotion type journal, you know. And so he had a lot of prayers in there. And one of the prayers that really struck me was as he was praying for uh, St. Michael's, he said, God, I am unworthy to lead this great people. And he capitalized great people. And I think there's something in us at St. Michael's that needs to remember that God has called us to be his great people here. This particular fellowship, this particular church, this particular expression of the body of Christ is a great people. And then he said, I pray to you, Father, that they would be filled with the power of the Spirit and the knowledge of the Word of God. If you're filled with the power of the Spirit and the knowledge of the Word of God, you are a great people. Amen? And so my hope this morning as we talk through our story today is that you would be convicted once again to seek the filling of God's Spirit and the knowledge of the Word of God. Amen? So we're going to jump into Matthew chapter 14, our gospel this morning, and we're going to talk through one of the most popular stories of all time. The story of Jesus walking on the water. But today we're going to focus on, my title this morning is, The Disciples Head Into a Storm. Because that's the part that's fascinating to me this morning. Let me tell you this. We, as a people, are heading into a storm. Stealing from Father Powell. We had a great conversation yesterday. But I really believe this. We, as a people, are heading into a storm. Do you know why? Because we're going where Jesus sent us. And do you know what comes up as you head on the path that Jesus lays for you? Storms. The disciples were great fishermen. Well, probably. They were pretty good. They made a living off of it. They were better than me. And they knew when a storm was probably going to come. Part of being a good fisherman is knowing when it's good to go out and fish and when it's not good to go out and fish. Right, John? You want to go when the fishing is good and there's not a storm. 
And yet Jesus says, cross the Sea of Galilee, knowing full well that a storm is coming. And not just any storm, the type of storm that would make a fisherman say, I'm going to die in this. And he sent them into that. So let's jump into this and let's see what happens as Jesus sends his disciples into a storm. Uh, Matthew 14, 22, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. Here's some context. You know the other most popular story about Jesus, the one where he like feeds 5,000 men plus women and children? And everybody's amazed and there's baskets left over and the abundance and the power of God to feed people out of nothing, out of five loaves and two fish. That just happened. So in this context, he tells the disciples, you've just witnessed a miracle. You've just seen an outpouring of the power of God. Now go into the, wor- go into the sea and I've got another purpose for you across this ocean. Now, many of you know the sermon line out of this story, right? What's the sermon line? It's get out of the boat. That's the sermon line because Peter famously gets out of the boat and walks on water. But I want to start earlier than that, actually. I want you to get in the boat. How many of you are doing what God told you to do right now? And that's not a condemnation. It's an honest question because if I asked myself that question day in and day out, I don't think I'd have a very good batting average. And a batting average that's good is like, you know, 35% of the time. So when I say I have a bad batting average doing what God wants me to do, I say I fail abysmally to ask, hear, and obey when God is trying to send me somewhere. And so when we look at this and we look at what happens, I don't want to focus so much on get out of the boat, although we'll get there. I want to start with get in the boat. God has a place for you to go. Let me just say this too. The storms are coming whether you're in the boat or you're on the shore. No matter if you hear these messages and you just go home and ignore them the rest of the week, and then you come back and you hear a good message, you go home, you ignore them the rest of the week. And I say that, once again, not to condemn anybody, but because I know myself, you're going to face a storm. It's not just where Jesus sends you that you face a storm. But when you're going where Jesus sends you and you face a storm, at least you're facing a storm in service of Christ. If you face a storm in service of yourself, because that's the other option, it's a lot harder. It's not as good, let me tell you. Now, I do think that there's kind of three options here. Because every Sunday, we come together in the church. And you know, the church has always been symbolized by the ark or the boat. That's even why we have these ribs on the ceiling. It's like an upside down boat that we gather in. And there's this symbolism. And when you read the early church fathers reading this story, they say, oh yeah, it's just like the early church. Jesus came and he miraculously fed us with his body and blood. He died on the cross. He gave us the sacrament of the Eucharist. And then he told the disciples, the church to get in the church, the boat and go out into the world. And then they got persecuted for 350 years. And the winds and the waves beat against that boat. But they said, don't worry, church. Jesus came in the midst of the storm. Right? And so when we look at this, I think we have three options as church members today. Number one is you, come, you treat yourself, well, you come in and you get your fix. Let's say that, right? 
you get fed and you go home and you're a really nice person who goes throughout their week and then you get angry and you're not very nice and then you just kind of live like everybody else in the world. But you go to church on Sunday. Bravo. That's fine in the sense that praise God you go to church. But man, is it not what God meant when he died on a cross and rose from the dead that you might have life and life abundantly. And then there's the people, and we all know we don't want to be this, but I know every one of us has been this at some point, who they may go to church, but they're actively fighting what God's doing in their life. They have something else that has taken the place of serving God in their life. So I'm holding up these two people that I think we all are at some point. One of them who is just busy with life. Really good at my job. I take care of my family and I go to church and I'm a nice person. And I'm good, so I'll get into heaven. Man, is that boring. That is not the type of Christian I want to be. Or there's the guy who's actively rebelling, you know, he's got his thing that he's really committed to. He's a slave to his job or his money or his power or success. But, you know, he's a Christian because he was raised a Christian. He goes to church. I've been that guy too. And that's painful. That is painful. It is dark when you go your own way and you ignore what God is trying to tell you. Or there's the third guy, the guy who gets on the boat. And you know what happens to him? He hits the biggest storm of his life. He feels like he's going to die. But he's in the boat. And where does Jesus meet the disciples? In the boat. So I'm putting these together just to help invite us into the life that you want to lead. I want to be on the boat in the storm. I don't want to be the guy fighting God. I don't want to be the guy living my life just blase. I do what I do. I get what I need and I'm done. That is not what life is. That's not what Christ invites us into. So like I said, the great line of this sermon is get out of the boat. Well, I want you first to get in the boat. Amen? Okay, let's keep moving. Verse 23, it says, And after Jesus had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. So this is a question. Why is Jesus praying? Isn't he God? What does he need to pray for? What is he doing up there? Well, not to get too deep into one of the more thorny theological ideas, but we have this concept of kenosis where it says Jesus did not count his godhood as something to be grasped, but he emptied himself and he became a man, this doctrine of incarnation. So he wasn't walking around like Superman. Like imagine if Jesus had all the powers of his godhood ready at his disposal as a man. That's not really a man. A person who's omniscient, omnipotent, timeless, outside of everything, created all the world. He was living that way. He's not living like you or I. He's nothing I can relate to. But instead, Christ became like us, limited like us. He became a baby. He had to learn how to speak. He had to learn how to walk. He had to learn how to read. He had to learn how to hear the voice of God the same way you and I do. So what was he doing on the mountain? He was learning He was learning. He was being shaped. He was being molded by the voice of God. You see, just like you and I, he had the same temptations and tendencies as we all do. We get really pumped. God's given us this new project. We're so grateful to him. We're excited. We're ready to do it with him. And a year or even a few weeks in, we're overwhelmed. and We can't do it, and it's too much, and how am I going to do this? And we forget, oh, yeah, that's right. God was leading this project. 
How did I get out in front? At least that happens to me pretty frequently. I start trying to do it by my own strengths. It might even be a God project. Talk about feeding the poor at society. Our St. Michael's Food Pantry feeds hundreds of families. But did you know if God wasn't there, we couldn't do it. Phil couldn't do it. Our volunteers couldn't do it. It's because of the grace of God time and again that we're able to feed the poor. If anybody took over that ministry and started trying to do it by their own strength, they would die. Maybe not die, but it's a lot of work. It's a lot of stress. It's a lot of coordination. It would be hard and it would not be the grace of God for that ministry. God has provided everything you need. In fact, he's prepared good works for you to do. But he wants you to do it with him, him through you. And yet we run out there and we just like bang our head against the wall trying to make things happen for God instead of living from God. Instead of living with his power in our life. This is for all the people who get on the boat, but then they try and sail through the storm with all their sailing knowledge. And then the boat gets torn apart and they're like, I'm going to die. That's probably what the disciples did. Right? They get on the boat, and everything that they do to save the boat from the storm is failing. And then Jesus shows up. I've been that sailor. I've been that person. So when we look at this, what is Jesus doing is he's praying by himself. He needs to get away from his ministry, and he needs to remember his connection with his Father. He needs to maintain his connection with his Father. He needs to be shaped by the Word of God in him. He told his disciples, I do everything I see my Father doing. And I only do what I hear my father saying. I only say what I hear my father saying. When did he see what God was doing? When did he hear what God was saying? I think he did it all the time. But I think he maintained that practice by going and spending time with God. Knowing who God is. I will say this. We are not like plants. None of us. We don't only need watering once a week. In fact, if you think about that, right, we come on Sundays, we get fed, we get watered, and then we go throughout our day. And by the next week, if you look at a plant that gets watered once a week, sure, it's good for that plant, but that soil is dry by the end of that week. Then they get watered, and then they get dry, and then they get watered, and they get dry. That's not how God made us. In fact, in this analogy, we're more like the hose. And the Spirit is the water. And our job is to water the world with the goodness of God. What does it say? His glory shall cover the face of the earth like the waters of the sea. We're supposed to be pumping God's glory into the world. But you know what? Our hose gets kinked up quite a bit. And what does the word of God do? It straightens us out. So what do you need to do? Well, you need to get in the word of God. You need to get straightened out because that water is not going to flow if you're all kinked up. If you're all out of balance, but the word of God shapes us, it forms us into the perfect hose to shower the world with the goodness of God, to transform the world by transporting his goodness. The filling of the power of the spirit is the water rushing through that hose. When it says be fruitful and multiply, not only does it mean have children, it also means and says take dominion over the earth. And make the earth to be what it's called to be, which is fruitful. In fact, before, it even, before God says, says that to man, he says, even the beasts of the field and the birds of the air and the plants are to be fruitful and multiply. 
And we're the gardeners. Let me bring this all back. When we talk about you being filled with the Spirit and being shaped by the knowledge of the Word of God, it's not just for you. It's so that the whole world can encounter the kingdom of God, which is life, which is goodness, which is peace, joy, love. And so when Jesus was praying with God, he was being shaped and formed so that his pump was always on. And everywhere he went, everyone he encountered, encountered the living God through him. Just like we're called to do. And so Jesus is up on a mountain. The boat is out on the sea. And there's that great picture, right? I talked about how the early church fathers say the boat is like the church. And the mountain is like Jesus has ascended. And he's ruling over the world. And the church is out there fighting against the wind and the waves. And Jesus comes to us. Even from his place of authority, he comes to us. Because he doesn't want to just clear a path for you. He wants to empower you to have the faith that moves mountain, that calms the seas. He wants to be with you in relationship, conquering the world for him, bringing the kingdom of God. And so we move on here. It says in verse 24, but the boat by this time was a long way from land, beaten by the waves for the wind was against them. Like I said, a storm is coming. If I said that the church throughout history has faced storms and you know anything about history, you'd say, duh, absolutely. Whether it's persecution or state uh, oppression or even that awful thing where the church becomes corrupted itself and starts perpetuating the evils that it's called to fight, the church is constantly facing a battle. We are constantly facing battles. This church is facing a battle because we're called to raise up the next generation in our school, St. Michael's Christian Academy. We are called to proclaim the gospel to the poor, the needy, the broken, in our food pantry, in the way that we live our lives in this community. We're facing a storm because we're doing what God wants us to do. We're in the boat. We're heading to where God has us. And so just like the disciples were in the boat, the wind is against us, but Jesus is coming. In verse 25 it says, And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Of course it's the fourth watch of the night, right? If you know the Bible, this is like a very significant time. It's, you know, that cliche phrase from Tumblr or whatever. It's like, it's always darkest before the dawn. It's like, exactly. Yeah, so it's 3 a.m., somewhere in 3 to 6 a.m., the worst time to be in a storm. Because you're exhausted, you've been fighting all night, you're at the very end of your rope, and that's when Jesus comes. He's sitting up there on the mountain watching, and yet he comes at the last minute, way after they thought they were lost. I've been there. Way after you think this situation could not get any worse. Where is God? And he's watching and praying, and he's interceding for us. And then he shows up. Right when we need it most. If you're deeply rooted in the Word of God and filled with His Spirit, you will see Jesus show up in those situations. Imagine the disciples stick with their first impulse. No, it's a ghost. 
What a tragedy if they miss their salvation. Because when you're in that moment, in fact, let me just read that verse because there's, there's something interesting here. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. I love that verse. First of all, when you're in the fourth watch of the night, and you've been fighting the storm of your life, and you're going to die, the first thing you see when you see something coming out of that darkness is going to be a supernatural terror that's meant to end you. Because that's what you expect. When you're in a storm, you can start to expect the worst. Of course another bad thing is happening. Of course my car breaks down. Of course my house is getting foreclosed on. Of course my child is sick. Of course whatever. Because you're in that storm and you're thinking you're going to die, you start to agree with the enemy and his plan for your life. Let me say it this way. We start to give our imagination to fear as a tool to increase our misery. Because we're pretty sure that what we've experienced so far, the storm, is going to continue until our demise. So instead of seeing Jesus, who they know very well, who they know has the power to heal, raise the dead, feed everyone, they see a ghost, a supernatural terror, something that's going to end them. But Jesus, in his compassion and goodness, says, hey, dum-dums, it's me. No, he doesn't say that, right? He has every right to say that. Dum-dums, don't you believe? Didn't you see the love, the miracles that I've done? Didn't you trust me? I sent you on this boat. Why didn't you ask me for help? Why didn't you pray to God and he would have saved you? He could have absolutely lectured them and had every right to do so. But instead, like the good God, the good Father that he is, he says, take heart. It is I. Thank you, so wherever you're at in your storms, whenever you encounter this storm, look for that message. I think sometimes in the storm we start thinking, well, I got myself into this mess. I don't want to talk to him. I don't want to tell him. I don't want to go to him. It's my fault. I don't want to go to him. He's going to be angry with me. He's going to judge me. He's going to cause me shame. And yet Jesus is waiting to say, take heart. It's me. It is I. Don't be afraid. Don't you know the love I have for you? When he says it is I, he's declaring, I am love. I am God. In fact, the language is very similar in reminiscence of when the burning bush, God says, I am who I am. He's declaring it is I. Which is the greatest reason that I've ever heard to take heart and not be afraid. Jesus is with you. Okay. Then we get to the part that most people focus on. We're not going to spend a ton of time here, but there's something we have to, we have to go over, right? He says that, and Peter answers him, God love Peter. Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. I want, man, I want to be like Peter. Like, he got to walk on water. There's precisely two people in the history of the world that we know of who have been walking on water by the power of God. Peter gets to be one of them because he can I come to you on the water? I want to be with you. And so Jesus says, come. Peter gets out of the boat, walks on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he 
cried out, Lord, save me. In our other translation, it said, when he saw that the wind was boisterous, and it's like, what does a boisterous wind have anything to do with the fact that you're walking on water? I don't know about you, but the aerodynamics, the physics of this thing have already been surpassed. We've already figured, like, you're in the miracle zone. And yet he goes, oh, the wind. Jesus is right there. The reason it's funny is because we do the same thing. Students will pay our water bill, and then the next day our kids will start coughing, and we're like, oh, God, what's going to happen to my child? Or he'll, whatever, we'll get this miracle, and then we'll turn around and say, yeah, but look at this bigger problem. And, of course, we know the problem was here is his eyes on Jesus. Did the wind matter, or did Jesus matter in this scenario? Did the waves matter, or did Jesus matter? The whole point of him walking on water was that he was, he said, if it is you, command me to come. He walked on water to see Jesus and to know that it was him, and yet he got caught up focusing on the waves and the wind. There's a storm coming, right? What are you going to do? Are you going to talk to your friends about how awful the storm is and talk about the amount of things that you have to overcome in your life? Or are you going to focus on Jesus, the only one who has the power to save you, the only one who has the power to calm the storm? We'll end with this. This guy, Jonah, that we read about in uh, our Old Testament story. You guys know the story. God says, get in the boat, go over there. And he says, nope, not me. And it goes the opposite direction. He's that guy we're talking about, right? There's a few different options. He was the worst option. He was doing exactly the opposite of what God wanted him to do. And he got his just desserts. He deserved to die. Because he disobeyed the God of all creation who gave him life, who gave him everything. He said, nope, not going to do it. Ran in the other direction. A storm comes. The storms always come, no matter which way you go. He was so afraid of the storm he was going to face doing God's will, he faced his own storm of probably greater measure. And he gets swallowed by a fish, or a whale, or whatever. I don't really care what it is, but I tell you, it is miserable. I don't think any of us can imagine the misery of being in the belly of a fish. I don't even think the veggie seal says it does. But there's this moment in the fish where he finally comes to his senses and prays to God. He remembers, oh yeah, God's actually on my side. He is for me, not against me. Because you know that's why he ran from Nineveh, because something in him was afraid that God was sending him to his death. I don't know about you, but if God told me, go to San Francisco, stand on the biggest stage you can, and tell them, you sinners, repent! I'd be pretty tempted to go the other way. So, we get this situation where he's in the belly of the fish, he cries out to God, God sees him even in the belly of the fish, even after everything he's done, and the fish spits him out on the dry land a couple miles from him. Wait, what? I thought the fish was the death of Jonah, the judgment of God on his life, his punishment. Or maybe that storm and that fish were God's grace in Jonah's life, bringing him back to where he was called to be in the first place. Maybe the storm in your life isn't even just your stupidity. Sometimes it is, I think, right? I don't know. But for some, maybe 
God's using the consequences of your sin and the difficulties of the world, because sometimes the world just is against what God is doing because of the fallen nature of the world. Then he's using that to save your life, to bring you to exactly where you need to be. And so when we talk about today being filled with the power of the Spirit, being filled with the knowledge of the Word, it's so that the storms of your life do not overwhelm you, but instead propel you into what God has for you. Because I honestly believe that's God's purpose in our life, is to take the wicked things that we encounter, the difficult, tragic things we encounter, and to transform us in the process to be who He's called us to be. The same God who used the cross to save the entire world, a torture device of unbelievable, unspeakable pain, who used that situation to transform the world and to bring it in the right direction, will take whatever you're facing and transform it so that you can be like him. If you let it. So today, the end is turn to God and see his salvation. Amen? I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate He suffered and was buried, and the third day he rose again in accordance with the Scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Brothers and sisters, as God's people, we are gathered together to celebrate the mystery of Christ's love. Knowing that love, let us ask God, our Father, to fulfill our needs and those of the whole world as may be best for us. That the church will courageously and joyfully proclaim the living word of God to all people. Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. That the patriarch, all bishops, priests, and deacons will lead God's people in faith and serve them in love. Lord, in your mercy. That the Lord will bless the nations with peace. Lord, in your mercy. That those who suffer from fear or anxiety will be overwhelmed by God's peace and be mindful of the Lord's presence and protection. Lord, in your mercy. 
that we, like Jesus, will give ourselves to prayer. Lord, in your mercy, that all the gifts of the Holy Spirit will increase among us, especially the gift of faith. Lord, in your mercy, for our own special intentions. Lord, in your mercy, Father of mercy, you are the God of our salvation. Hear our prayer and give us the grace to faithfully serve you and walk in your ways. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Turn and greet your neighbors with the peace of the Lord. Well, uh, our announcements should be on the board if we have any announcements. <laughs> okay, you're off the hook. So, uh, the only real announcement we have is uh, a big thank you to everybody Amen. who showed up yesterday Amen. for the work day. We had uh, uh, about 16, I think, total people that showed up, and we got a lot done. It was amazing, amazing Amen. day. So, Amen. Yeah, special thanks to all those who were here and for all those who prayed, uh, for all those who will be there next time. <laughs> those, yeah. they, were, they were wildly empowered by the Holy Spirit to accomplish great deeds. They did, and they, <laughs> they, they accomplished a lot. Uh, Some, school is coming. Yes, it is. School is coming the 24th. 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 So uh, we've got new teachers, Haley and Hannah, that are uh, stepping into the unknown. And so that means that the teachers who have been here, Chris and Phil, are also stepping into the unknown. It'll be great fun. I'm very excited about it. Every year is a transition year. <laughs> no, this is just pure fun and excitement. It and, is. Uh, it is. I'm looking forward to it. I was, um, let me tell you another story, right? Um, this morning, uh, I was talking to my wife, Debbie. She got up and she, was, she gave me this report on the weather. I was thinking about that, Jesse, with your sermon, right? She gives me this, this report and I want to share it with you because uh, the report was... Next Sunday, about noon, there's going to be a rain, like an inch of rain, and that's a lot. And, uh, you know, in my mind, I've been, I was looking at this, uh, may have been a part of our conversation with Jesse, is that uh, Jesus was talking to his people in the beginning part of Luke, and, and he says, you know, uh, a man who hears what I say and acts accordingly is like this. He digs deep and he puts the foundation of his house on a rock. 
And when the storms come, no worries. So I hear this report from Debbie this morning. Could be a big rain next Sunday. You know, I don't trust weather reports that much. But I pay attention once in a while just to see. So my thought was, you might want to bring an umbrella. <laughs> Amen. I had one more. I just wanted to give one yeah, more yeah. thank you. Uh, that's uh, if you haven't noticed the new grass out here on Ooh, the yes. uh, Amen. along the uh, front of the church. Molly and Greg Henry did an amazing work out there. I mean, they dug that whole yeah, thing they out. Did. They went out and bought the pieces of uh, turf that go in there. It's uh, it's St. Augustine, so we're hoping that uh, maybe a few of you guys can putt and chip off of it eventually. Um, <laughs> But it's a, it's a really nice grass, and uh, just uh, just whenever you see him, just say thank you for doing that great work. It looks so much better out there. So, Amen. Amen. Let's uh, prepare for our tithes and offerings. Thank you, sir. Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and make good your vows to the Most High. Let us with gladness present the offerings and oblations of our life and labor to the Lord. Thank you, Lord.
The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. Father, all-powerful and ever-living God, we do well always and everywhere to give you thanks through Jesus Christ our Lord. Through his cross and resurrection, he freed us from sin and death and called us to the glory that has made us a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people set apart. Everywhere we proclaim your mighty works, for you have called us out of darkness into your own wonderful light. And so with all the choirs of angels in heaven, we proclaim your glory and join in their unending hymn of praise. fountain of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Holy Spirit upon them, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Before he was given up to death, the death he freely accepted, he took bread. He gave you thanks, he broke it, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. When supper was ended, he took the cup. Again, he gave you thanks and praise. Gave the cup to his disciples and said, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Let us proclaim the mystery of our faith. Christ has died. Christ has risen. And Christ will come again. In memory of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Father, this life-giving bread, this saving cup. We thank you for counting us worthy to stand in your presence and serve you. Humbly we pray that partaking of the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Lord, remember your church throughout the world. Make us grow in love together with our patriarch, Craig, our Bishop Douglas, and all the clergy. Remember those for whom we now pray. Susan, Naomi, Sonia, Sandra, Karen, 
Tammy, Chuck, Soledad, Sherry, Bishop Kessler, the House family, the Marines and sailors of Camp Pendleton, and all those who serve in our armed forces. You can add the names of the people you're praying for. Draw our hearts to remember the poor and broken. As we receive the body and blood of Jesus, may we be transformed to become the body of Christ to the world. Lord, have mercy on us all. Lord, you have made us worthy. Lord, you have made us worthy to share eternal life with the Blessed Virgin Mary, the mother of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, Joseph, her husband, and with all the apostles, martyrs, and saints. May we praise you in union with them and give your glory through your Son, Jesus Christ. By him, with him, and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. And now, as our Savior Christ hath taught us, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only say the word, and my soul shall be healed. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world. Grant us peace. The gifts of God for the people of God.
Father, you have graciously accepted us as living members of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and you have fed us with spiritual food and the sacrament of his body and blood. Send us now into the world in peace and grant us strength and courage to love and serve you with gladness and singleness of heart through Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael, the archangel, defend us in the battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the divine power of God, cast into hell Satan and all evil spirits who roam throughout the world, seeking the ruin of our souls. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and those you love and care for now and forever. Amen. Ha, ha, ha.